Amen. Man, awesome. God is so good, isn't he? He's so amazing. Hey, if you're a youth, Pastor Josh uh, is taking you to your own service downstairs. He's right here, and he's going in that doorway. So if you're a, uh, from 6th grade to 12th grade youth, please join them back there in the back, and he'll take you down for a message for you guys. Thanks for being here. Nobody asked you, and some of you old people don't try and slide out, okay? <clears throat> Man, God is amazing, isn't he? I want all the worship team to know, and I want you all to know that as I was praying through this week and put the message together and knew what I was going to preach, I wanted to text them and say, you need to sing that song today, and I didn't. So, um, you know, like I was uh, like, I need to just like let it go, trust God, let him have his way. They've already prayed about picking their music in the order. And so Justin, it didn't need to get moved. That was the exact song God wanted at the end of that worship service for this point and this time. I'm super excited about what God's doing. I am. Many years ago, if you're part of this church, you know that we sensed and spoke and, and said God's going to move and he's going to move. And I'm saying like a move of God in our country. That doesn't mean our political government will change. Or it may change, but I mean, it has nothing to do with that. Talking about a move of God that's happening amongst his people and the conversion of others into the faith, a move of God. That's what we were believing for. That's what we sensed that God was saying to us that that was coming. Now, in the midst of praying about that, I was writing to some people in uh, leadership over me in the church and writing to them and, and trying to help us as a church stop looking backwards at what God's done in history and look to the future to what God wants to do in his church in the future. You know, God's not uh, one that doesn't have an imagination. He's a creator. He's amazing. And he's moving in new ways. Not that the gospel's any different. None of that changes. God is changeless in who he is and the standards that he has established. However, as he moves in his church, he moves in new ways. And so we are believing God for a new move in a new way in his church. And I want you to know that in the midst of the chaos that God is moving. We oftentimes are looking at government and the devil, and a lot of Christians give the devil way too much credit, talking about how he's giving them a hard time in their life. You know, God's the one that's leading you. If anyone's giving you a hard time, it's God, and he's doing it because you need to change. Amen. All right, all right. We didn't need to make sure we're all up on that, because if the Spirit of God is leading, then the Spirit of God is leading. He's either leading your life or he's not. And if he is, he's doing something. God is always doing something. And what he's doing is he's trying to change us into the likeness of Jesus Christ, which is why Jesus died, why the Holy Spirit came as God tries to perfect us in the image of Christ. Therefore, the convictions and the uncomfortableness and the craziness of my life, God is at work in and through it. So church, I just want you to stop complaining and face him and keep moving forward. Because God's doing something, and I'm excited about it. All right, so the newness that he's doing, yeah, is um, uncomfortable at times, right? I mean, hasn't God made you uncomfortable? All right, good. So be uncomfortable. God, move. Because, see, I like comfort. I, I do. I like air conditioning. I like a mattress. I like a tiled shower. I like hot water. I like all that stuff. All right? So as I go through life, I love to be comfortable. That's what we strive for in our human flesh. 
And God is driving us to change us. And so as soon as we get uncomfortable, we start whining about it because we want to be comfortable. That's what happens. All right. So God's moving. Just want you to know. Welcome my nephew and niece, Jaron and Brittany, who moved here from Florida right over here. New family members in town. Just want you to know as the Dahlberg name keeps increasing that it's not that my wife and I are having kids. They're our family just moving here and God's bringing them. It's a good thing. All right, we're excited about that and glad they're here with us. We're going to jump back in history. And I say that because a lot of times we look at the Bible and history differently. But the Bible is history. And it's real history. I don't necessarily trust all the textbooks we teach stuff out of, but I trust God's Word. But it's kind of funny how much we trust textbooks and question the Word of God. One of the biggest complaints people say is, people wrote that. I say, who wrote your history books? We accept it. We just like say, yeah, that's true. That's what it is. It happened just like that. None of us were there. We don't know. We're relying on a written word. Amen? Amen. Come on, man. I think I trust God more than I do anybody else. Therefore, God's word is truth. It's history. All right. And it's future history, by the way. He lets us see both, which history can't do. All right. This is good stuff. So we're going back in history. We see the deliverance of Israel from Egypt. All in God's promises. We've covered this in the past. God promised. Abraham told him his people would be in bondage. And all of that he promised he'd deliver them. Joseph went there. Uh, God raised him up. You know that. He said to his people when he brought his family in, God's going to bring you out. Take me with you. All of these prophetic words because men and women of God in history believe God's word. They believed God's word. They owned God's word. They lived it and looked for it, expecting God to move. So what happened, as you know, we've watched the Ten Commandments on TV, even if we've never read it in the Bible, and you ought to read it in God's word. It's a lot better. Hollywood does their own thing with it, okay? So don't bank on that being truth. Look in God's word and see what it says. But, church, this is something we need to understand as we see it. When God performed ten amazing miracles in Egypt, which he did, Against the gods of Egypt, God brought a plague against every one of their gods, and they had more gods than these, but God was showing them he was God. And he said to Moses when he called him, I'm going to show them I am using Pharaoh and Egypt to not only show my people, but show the world that I am God and I'm God alone. So God brought about 10 miracles, which were called plagues, because they were of a destruction and a judgment. So God was bringing judgment against Egypt in these times. So the judgment to Egypt, now you got to hear this, please. The same miracles of judgment were the same miracles of deliverance. Right? The miracles of judgment were the miracles of deliverance. But oftentimes we just see judgment. We don't see it as deliverance. So as we look at what was happening here, those miracles of judgment that came against Egypt did affect Israel's life. Right? Come on, they didn't suffer the plagues. God protected them from the plagues themselves. So judgment fell against the ungodly and the leadership of Egypt. 
And God protected his people from that. However, because of the judgment on Egypt, they brought affliction against Israel. So a byproduct of God's judgment against evil did affect his people. Come on. That's what's happening in our world. God's judgment, God's move, God's stuff affects the ungodly to call them to repentance, but it can affect mine and your life. That doesn't mean God's judging us. It means stuff is happening, but good stuff is happening if we endure. Amen? God's so good, man. I just want to get to the point because it's so exciting, but we're going to get there. So, the Egyptians are miserable. The Israelites are miserable. Everybody's miserable. Right? I mean, you read this story in Exodus. Everybody was miserable. Even Moses was miserable. He was like, God, I'm speaking to him. He's not listening. I'm telling them God's moving. They're not listening. He's getting ridiculed by Pharaoh, and the leaders of Israel are ridiculing him, saying, like, you came to deliver us, and our lives are more difficult now than when we started. Okay. So, it was just for a season, but they didn't see that. Church, here's the thing we need to understand today in the church and what is going on. There was a purpose in the uncomfortable season. And just because it was uncomfortable in the moment, it did not mean God wasn't doing something amazing. Because God is good to His Word. Church, God is good to His Word. See, God's plan for deliverance and the fulfillment of a promise that He made for a future for all of them in a relationship with Him was in full view of God. You hear that? God had a full view of a future, a relationship, what he was doing in their lives, what he was creating in the moment. God saw that. All they saw was the moment. All they felt was the oppression. All they felt was the uncomfortableness. God saw a future. God was moving. I want you to know, church, God's moving. God's moving. You may be uncomfortable, but God's moving. Man, listen to God's word. It's awesome. I'm going to get there. Exodus 13. You ready? When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through the Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. Hmm. If the people are faced with a battle... They might change their minds and return to Egypt. This is God. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. So I got a map for you because I wanted us in the church to see something that's pretty awesome. You see that map up there? I'll step out of your way. There's some up here, over here, whatever. But I want you to see that they were leaving Egypt on the west side of the map. And there's a compass on there. They were leaving from the west. The promised land was northeast. And God led them south. (laughs) That's right. They were going there. They knew where they were going. 
They had been promised this for generations. They knew it was the land of Canaan. They knew where it was. They knew where the route was. And it says in the word of God that God did not take them on the shortest route. See, God's up to something. Even when he leads us in a roundabout way, God knows what he's doing. So we're heading south and we're like, I need to be going northeast. And we're always trying to adjust it. You know, there's always somebody in the car that's telling you you're doing the wrong thing. Not in my car, I'm talking about your car. Just letting you know. I'm saying, like, you know, we're always wanting to give directions or throw in our two cents and stuff. And we're doing that with God all the time. God's leading us. Do you remember, church? The Holy Spirit came and filled the believers because he was guiding us, leading us, revealing truth to us. Jesus said, look, I'm giving you something you can't handle on your own. God himself will dwell in you and lead your life. We already know where we end up when we're in charge. So stop fighting him. If God's leading you south, go south. Doesn't matter where you think you're supposed to be or where you want to go. Or where you want to go. Or where you want to go. God's in charge. And God often leads us in a roundabout way. (laughs) Now, when we read that in Scripture, God led them in a roundabout way. It doesn't sound like God. It doesn't, right? I mean, seriously, God's like, this is truth. This is truth. God says, I'm going to lead them in a roundabout way. But see, (laughs) when we look at that, church, I want you to see that God not only knows what he's doing, he's got plans that are outside of our perspective, way outside of our perspective. He's in charge. He's God. We need to follow him, follow his lead. Even if it's obvious to us, we're going the wrong way. (laughs) Now, I'm not talking about sin, so don't get screwed up and start living because you want to talking about when the Spirit of God is actually leading and the Spirit of God takes you in a direction that doesn't feel right, look right, or just doesn't like seem like the right direction for what you have already heard God say about your future. God knows what He's doing. I want you to know, God is not at all interested in being invited on your journey. He's not. He's been chasing you through that for years. And he's called us to be a part of his journey. And if you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are supposed to be on his journey and he's supposed to be leading. And I want you to know, God has said it in scripture. He does not like complaining and grumbling people. Read the Exodus story. He doesn't like it. He's not one that just says, be quiet. He makes them be quiet forever. (laughs) He slayed them in the wilderness. He killed them. Because they were grumbling and complaining and never stopped. And still wanted to do it their way. Even up to the point of God's promise. God wasn't okay with it, church. So he's not interested in being invited on your journey. I want you to know God's not here to fulfill your dreams. God has a dream for us. And we need to be following his dream for us, not mine. It will be the right one. Because God's perfect in all that he does. God's the only one that knows the end result before it happens. 
So before the journey even begins, God has the finish line in mind. And his goal is to get us here. And he's leading us. We have a free will. I absolutely believe that God has a predetermined plan for our life, but he does not mandate that predetermined plan. God has invited us into a relationship with him of surrendered trust and obedience that I might cross that finish line at the exact moment in the exact place God has for me. But it's up to me to do it. Totally. I mean, he's leading and he gives me power, but I've got to surrender to it and follow his lead. All right, so let's just go on and see what's going on. All right, um, God's just, but before I read the next section of scripture, I want you to know the only thing God is waiting for is our obedience. That's it. Okay, Exodus 13. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear to do this. He said, God will certainly come to help you. When he does, you must take my bones with you from this place. So this was a prophetic word 400 years before that, that uh, Joseph told the people, now you're going to swear, I'm not being left in Egypt when you get out of here. You're taking me with you, right? And they knew it. And therefore, the Israelites, when they were leaving Egypt, stopped at his tomb and picked up his, his mummy and brought him with them. He was mummified by the Egyptians. So here we go. The Israelites left Succoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. The Lord went ahead of them, guiding them during the day with a pillar of cloud and provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night. And the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. We all know this, right? We know the story that God was always present, always leading, always available. So what God did is on day one, set the tone for them. God himself said, I have appointed Moses as the leader, and I myself will lead you. He wanted all of his people to understand who was leading this journey, that he was guiding their steps. Now, as we see the evidence of this in Israel's journey, let's pause and consider our life journey since meeting Jesus. We're going to keep going in the story, but we do definitely need to pause for a second. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. Even when I don't see it, he's working, right? We're just singing it. We, we worship God in stuff. Listen now, because I want us to embrace him in song and sing it out and, and let that message speak into us. But I want us to sing that song Monday morning, right? I want us to know that God is leading in the midst of all the craziness of life. That God has us, he's working, he's stirring, he's moving, and he's got a plan. Walk through it. Follow his lead. Surrender to the spirit of God. Make sure you know what he's saying to you and walk with him. How do you react? Don't say this out loud. This is an, this is an accountability question that I don't want response to publicly. We allow us to keep this inside of ourselves for the moment, just to talk to God. How do you actually react when your life feels like it's running in the wrong direction, even when you are following the leading of the Holy Spirit? Like, how do you react? What does it feel like when it's going like that? And what do you do? What is your response to God when things aren't normal? Huh. 
Do you struggle on the journey in obedience? When it feels like things should be happening faster, maybe there should be more direction. Get to where God and you both want to be, and let's hurry it up. What's our response to those things when life seems like somebody put us in neutral and it's just not happening? See, when God's leading, God has places where he wants us to camp for a while. He's still working. He's still got a plan. But he has us just be in that camp. Did you hear those words? The first place they camped was, and it gave a name to the camp. Just sit there and relax a little bit. Breathe in that you're no longer slaves. You're free. Look around you and understand. Look, you're, you're out here and God's got you. In all the world around you that God's leading. He's like, just camp there for a little bit and get a grasp of what his, I don't like this phrase in the world, but new normal is for us. God's new normal. That's what we need to embrace. So just camp there for a moment because God's doing something. God's moving. God's got a plan. While they were camped, God was stirring Pharaoh and his people. They didn't know that. They were just camping. God was moving. God wanted them to to see that they could trust him when they crossed the Red Sea, and there he was. (laughs) See, God knew what he was doing all along. God had other things going on that they knew nothing about. I want you to know that God knows what he's doing in your life today. God knows what he's doing. (laughs) And if you feel like you're just camping, sit still. Don't move. Don't take control. You're going to screw it up. If you screw it up, he's just going to bring you back there and you're going to have to camp again. (laughs) So deal with it right now and just sit and wait. Let God be God. Let him lead. Let him take full control. Jesus said, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit so that he can lead and guide. And I want you to know it was no different for us today than it was for them. The physical presence of God in a pillar and fire was there to show them. We have that inside of us. We have that. We have the blessing of having that God presence in us, church. What in the world are we complaining about? Why are we confused? Why are we wondering what we're doing next? God's God. He's got us and He's leading. Now, Go back to Israel for a minute. While the Israelites had the promised land on their minds as the end result, they knew where they were going. They were going to Canaan. They've heard about this for generations. I want you to know that was God's plan too. So they were in agreement about where they were going. They weren't in agreement on how they were getting there. God had something that he was doing. When God took them on the roundabout way, he was up to something that they knew nothing about. God is always working his plan. And he always has something going on that we know nothing about. But it will impact our lives and it will impact the end result. So let's go back for just a moment, church, to the personal call that God placed on Moses at the burning bush. You all know this story as well, right? We go back to Exodus 3. We were in Exodus 13 on the actual event of moving out. This is before any of that happened. Let's visit this for a moment because it's really important for us to see it's cool. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses 
was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God, which has two names, Mount Sinai and Mount Horeb. You know how we have the Catalina Mountains and there's Mount Lemon in the midst of the Catalinas? This is God's place. It is the point at which God himself revealed himself to Moses. Therefore, it took on the name Horeb, Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. Jump down to verse 11. You know the conversations happening between Moses and God. Verse 11 and verse 12. You got to check this out. This is great stuff. But Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you, and this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. Do you see how God already sees it happening? Moses is still whining about the whole thing. And God says, when you do what I tell you to do, you're going to be right here in this spot worshiping me. Guess where that mountain was? South. See, God says, I'm giving you a promise, Moses, and I want you to see I'm in charge. I'm doing something. I'm giving you a glimpse of something in the future. I want you to know that I am doing this. I'm going to do it through you. And here's where you're going to bring the people, and you're going to worship me right here in this very spot you stand today. He was all alone. (laughs) He hadn't even faced Pharaoh yet. He hadn't even talked to Israel. He hadn't been there in 40 years. Think about it. God's like, you're going to bring all of them out of there, and you're going to be right here, and you're going to all be worshiping me on this very spot. That is like so cool. I got, yeah. It's like all over me, man. It's like, God, that is so awesome. Now listen, please church, hear this. Moses didn't go tell the people, guess what? We're heading to the Mount of God, and we're going to worship it. Nope, never even talked about it. Only Moses knew about that encounter. Only Moses knew that God had a plan and he was taking him there. Now, looking back in history, you and I, as we look at that situation, we know as we look at history, it was there at Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. It was there that God invited the whole nation to come before him and that he would speak to them with a verbal voice. Do you remember we read about it? Now, he didn't tell Moses he was going to do that. Moses didn't tell the people God was going to do that. God knew what he was doing. God said, I want you to tell them, Moses, to come to the edge of the mountain, purify them, to get ready. I'm going to talk to them. As soon as God's voice thundered, they were like, whoa. Moses, tell them, don't talk to us. You go talk to them. Tell us what he wants. And God honored that. And there is where the office of the prophet was born. God said he would birth the office of a prophet, one who would speak the word of God to the people. Pretty cool stuff. God's up to something, right? Okay, we're not done. It was during this camping experience at the mountain of God that God would call Moses up to himself. And Moses would spend 40 days on the mountain with God. And God himself would use his own finger to write the Ten Commandments out on the stone tablets. Read the story. God did that. He himself wrote those commandments on the tablets. 
It was here on this mountain where God would begin to speak to Moses and give him the revelation of God, where Moses would be the author of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The whole Pentateuch of the Bible where God himself would speak to Moses to pen the history of the world for you and I. When God appeared to Moses and he said, you're going to worship me here, he didn't say, look, I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do that, I'm going to show you this, I'm going to talk to you about this. Nope. He just said, you're going to be here. You hear me, church? See, like when we look back in history, it's like, oh, God, you're awesome. Look at all that you were doing. They were clueless. Moses only knew of one thing. God said, you'll worship me here. That's all he knew. The people didn't even know that. You know what the people knew? They were going the roundabout way. That's all they knew. Like, why are we going this way? Why are we doing this? Why is it like that? What is going on? Why can't I get some help? Why are my food, my, my pantry looking like, why do I got to eat this garbage? Why am I doing all? I would rather go back complaining and grumbling all the way and God's up to something. God was up to fulfilling his ultimate promise for his people. It just didn't happen the way they envisioned it. (laughs) See, because we envision comfort, preservation, like a nice fluffy ride. (laughs) That's the way we see it, right? It's like, yeah. Like the, the, it's coming like there's a day of judgment coming on the earth and I know God's going to just float me right out of here before it happens. Because I like comfort. <laughs> Look, man, I don't care how it happens. I trust him. I mean, I care, but I trust him. So in this moment, I, I want you to understand that some of us may have to pass through death to get to our heavenly reward. Um, if we do, don't you think God's got us there? I mean, do we trust him to be who he says he is? Do we believe what he said to us about being his people and living a life of faith? And the fact that this life is just a glimpse and there is eternity before us. I believe that. I don't know what it looks like. We've been given glimpses in scripture. There's things that are seen there that we've never seen. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, God's amazing, isn't he? You know, when we were, I, I was showing my wife on the little iPad yesterday, I saw those pictures of the sun. You know, those the, the first, the closest pictures we've ever had of the sun. I don't know if you ever saw that. I love space, and I'm fascinated by God. And when I saw that picture of the sun, and you ought to look it up, but not right now. Um, I got emotional, man. I'm like, I couldn't even control myself. But I look, I'm like, God, you are so amazing. And, and as they're looking at that, the scientists, I'm saying, they're not, you know, they're just like looking at it as a scientific experiment, which is cool. But they're trying to explain things and look at that. And they're like, wow, that is amazing. There's this thing. And they call it a campfire. They call it, there's the dark spot. There's a shadow. There's all. And I'm like, God, you just said, there it is. And there it was. That's the God I serve. That's the God we're following. Church, that's the God we're following. <laughs> like, wow, who am I to question anything? Who am I to whine about anything? God's in charge. If you're a Christ follower, you can be sure whatever's happening in your life, God is up to something. 
if you take control, you may wreck, and that's on you. But if you're following God, whatever's happening, God's up to something. And he is always up to something to bring us to his end result. So whatever's happening in your life today, you need to check yourself. Did the Spirit of God bring me here, or did I bring me here? (laughs) Come on, like, so this is the moment. We're at the end of the service and at the end of our time, all at the same time. God is good. You ready? We always do altar calls. You can come to the altar. Those of you that are home, you can just bow your head where you are. I don't care. But it's a moment of truth where it's like God has given us revelation to know that he's up to something. We've only been given like this little promise that he is. Just stand there in it. Trust him. Are you trusting him today? (laughs) I mean, seriously, are you trusting him? (laughs) Do you know him? Have you truly accepted Christ as your Savior? And if you have, then He promised to deposit the Holy Spirit within us. And He promised us that when the Spirit would come, that He would lead and guide and direct our life, that He would empower us, that He would give us gifts, that He would produce the fruit of the Spirit within us. See, God's up to something. He knows us. He knows what needs to be changed in us. So wherever you are in your journey, if you're uncomfortable, it's okay. Trust Him. If you're comfortable, maybe you should check yourself. Just just a little bit. It's okay to be comfortable for a season. God does that. Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to lead in your life right now? Are you? (laughs) Are you simply inviting God on your journey? Asking Him to bless your plans, your dreams, your ideas, and uh, all that, or are you obeying him and surrender and trust, following his lead? Just want you to know, church, it's a, it, he's here for you. He loves you. God still has that end result in view for us. And he's calling us and inviting us to that place. Would you stand with me? Anyone that wants to come and join these that are here, please join them. Father, we love you. We're so humbled, God so humbled that you would ever speak to us that you would even care to guide us that you would have a plan for us God we're so humbled with that forgive us for the complaining forgive us for the grumbling forgive us for trying to give you direction God we surrender to you we trust you and we will obey Lord, for those that need to camp, let us camp. For those of us that are at the edge of the Red Sea, then let us trust you to open it. Those of us walking across, help us to know that we're secure in who you are. Lead us, God. We trust you fully. You are our provider, our provision, and our grace, our hope. You're our everything. We love you, God. Thank you for today. God, we need to move. Move among us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Isn't he amazing? God is so good. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much for being here. We're going to exit out these doors on the side if you would.